uh, we're going to focus on what Paul was writing the church because I think it's something that we have taken uh, a divergent path from, and it's the path of embodiment, embodied faith. Um, faith sometimes in the, in the U.S. evangelical context can be uh, cerebral, right? It's like a, things that we believe or that we adhere to. It's a doctrine. And um, we have swum in those waters so long, or swam, is it swam or swum? We have paddled in those waters. <laughs> for so, we've paddled, we've swum in, yes, in those waters for so long that, that when we talk about embodiment, even when we hear Paul talk about um, present your bodies, present the whole of who you are, your lungs, your, your skeleton, your cells, like everything that you are to Christ, it feels a little strange. And so... Uh, we've been talking about this on a, as a staff, this embodied faith, embodied worship, our bodies. And, um, and I think that, I, well, I don't think, I, I asked Amy to talk about this because she can talk about it really well. And, um, and then Claire's going to read a poem that she wrote for, uh, for herself, but then she read it for the staff. And it's a beautiful picture of embodiment and this journey that we take in our bodies. And... Um, and I know that's kind of a, I'm coaching football with uh, my friend. And my friend's an Air Force grad. He's like in peak physical condition. And he's on the field, and then there's me. And um, I was telling him, you know, when I played football, there was always like the cool coach and then like the other coach. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, the one that was like not really probably deserved to be on a football field. Well, that's me. And, um, and I think that... Uh, that we tend to, both in religious circles and in secular cultures, when we talk about our bodies, it's, it's kind of in this degrading way, right? It's like, this is wrong, this is where I'm sick, this is what must be conquered. And Paul is giving a totally different, inspired, beautiful vision of us in our bodies. And um, it's something that the church needs to listen to, and it's something the church listened to back in the day way back in the day. So I'm going to ask Amy Walker, who is one of our pastors on staff, and um, she's going to speak to us about embodied faith and what that looks like as I set up her, thank you. her things. Do you want some water? Would you like a... I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it, though. I feel a little bad sitting on a stool for you guys here, so I'll, I can't promise that I'll turn, but I'll try. Get me up on the stool. Good morning. Um, I need to find my glasses. Um, as Dave said, I'm going to be sharing just a bit and walking us through um, just a couple practices uh, about embodied faith. Um, it's difficult because this, I mean, I could talk about this for hours and hours, and it's something that I feel like is almost better practiced. Like, I, I've led retreats before where we practice embodied faith and we use our bodies to be present in our bodies. So we're going to just get a little taste of that this morning, but I wish that I, I wish we could just practice it together in the mountains, ideally. Um, but I just want to share with you uh, just a, three movements about what it looks like to move towards a more embodied faith. Um, and when I talk about embodied faith, Faith, it's a redemptive faith that is lived out in a whole way that includes being present 
at acknowledging the holiness and sacredness of our bodies. Um, We heard from the scripture reading Paul's plea to give our bodies to God because of all he has done for us and to let our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. Our relationship with God, our faith, hope, and love, it's all lived out in these bodies of ours. And our bodies are alive, full of this spark of life, and they're holy. So if this is our call, how then do we live um, a more embodied faith? So the first movement is letting go. We let go. Paul is speaking to a people in Rome who were brought up believing that the body was a thing to be dealt with and escaped. They thought ultimate freedom was being rid of the body, and they even commonly referred to the body as a tomb. In urging the church to offer their bodies as living sacrifices, Paul introduced a totally new concept, one that was revolutionary at the time and still is uh, in a lot of our culture today. Um, Some of the Gnostic teaching um, that is still alive in more uninspired corners of American church, just give your heart to God, keep your body hidden away, the shame that's tied to bodies, Um, in order to hear Paul's words clearly, we may need to let go some of what we've been taught and some of what we've believed about our bodies. And I think some of us even don't realize the lies and the shame that we have tied to our bodies and that we hold in our bodies. And so for our first movement, I'd like us to just take a minute to be present in our bodies. And I would like to invite you to, make the, to open your hands as a gesture and a posture of letting go and to just think about the lies that you've been told or that you may hold or the shame around your bodies and to let that go as, as best you can in this moment, but just an awareness of your body here and think about what, and ask God, what is it that I need to let go of today? I want to encourage you just that this is something that you don't have to do just here. Um, It can be a battle to fight for silence in our lives, for quiet, and so I just want to encourage you um, this week, if you can take a moment 
to just open your hands and to center yourself and to just be in the quiet and invite God into speaking into that moment of embodied faith. And that posture of listening is very important when it comes to embodied faith to, to make space just to listen. Um, the next movement is that we need a deep awareness. Paul says that the offering of our bodies is pleasing and acceptable. Our bodies are not only pleasing and acceptable and even beautiful to our creator, but the offering of them is worship and something very sacred. Where are we with that? Are we in dissonance with our bodies or do we see them as our creator does, perfectly and purposefully made? Christ was incarnate into a human body, which we could just sit with that, right? Just that in itself is hard to imagine and one of the most beautiful and important mysteries of our faith. He, God, incarnate into a human body. It was his body that walked miles and miles at a time. It was his body that slept on the ground. It was his body that felt pain. And it was his body that felt the connection of touch that another body brings. Are we aware of our bodies, of living in these bodies? I'd like you to, if you're comfortable, place your hand over your heart or you can find your pulse. I can never find my pulse, especially on command in class when they're like, find it. I'm like, I don't have it. It's, yes, exactly. It's not there. What does that mean? Um, it just means I can't find it. But um, if you can feel your heart, I just want us to become aware for a moment of our pulse or our heartbeat together. pretty miraculous thing when you think about it, when you feel it beating, alive. Did you know that heart rates and breathing can sync up in groups with shared experiences? I've had the privilege of experiencing that in some yoga meditations that I've done, um, but you can also Google it. It's a real thing. And what is that about? That our hearts, our breathing, are syncing up together, connected. What connectedness is there that we don't see or understand? Are we in awe of these bodies that sync up together that our heart beats without us even willing it to? Do we see them as living sacrifices of connectedness, of healing, of compassion, and love? As Dave said, Claire, um, who is a pastor here and also a poet, uh, she recently turned 40, and she wrote this beautiful poem that really encapsulates embodied faith. So I'm going to have her come share that with you. As Amy said, I turned 40, and I was reflecting um, on that as people do at that time. Here's a poem that came out. 40. What does 40 years look like? 
What does a 40-year-old tree look like? Strength. What does a 40-year-old rock look like? Unchanging. What does a 40-year-old elephant look like? Majesty. What does a 40-year-old organization look like? Legacy and change. A 40-year-old beloved pet? Just memories. 40 years of river carving rock? Power. 40 years of parenting a child? Endurance and blessing. 40 years of being tied together in friendship, meaning and humility. What does 40 years of storing up beauty look like? A 40-year collection of awe and wonder. 40 years of playing, fun and ease. What does 40 years of pain look like? Gentleness. 40 years of receiving love, health, of carrying other people's burdens, weariness and thankfulness, of glorying in sun rays, light living in my body and brown spots on my skin, 40 years of attention on the divine, tastes of mystical union, of swimming in and sometimes out of the river of God, that looks like an indelible core that cannot be broken, though the earth shake and the mountains fall. What does 40 years of life look like in this body? Scars, lines, and curves. Glory, growth, and beauty. Right now, in this moment, in my yard, I have a grapevine that is probably 40 years old. It looks both established and old and fertile and agile as it weighs down my chain link fence. It has deep roots, thick leathery stalks, bright, beautiful, tender green tendrils that travel every day searching for good to cling to. But it hadn't grown grapes since I moved in. It was just a vine until I majorly cut it back. And as we know, the next season it flourished and fruited. I think about my own limbs that have been hacked, my supporting stalks that have been ripped. It was almost too much and too far damaging my roots. But the life energy, the Christ energy in me moved to the still existing root structures and spread into them, relied on them and invested in them more deeply. My roots of friends, family, God, nature, identity, they stayed true and saved me. And now, after my pruning, my raw pieces are being covered by bark. My wounds are closing. The arborist does her healing work inside. And now, my 40-year-old roots are deep, and my weathered stalk stands strong. And now, what vines might I propagate? How far might I reach? How much beauty might I embody as I leaf and tendril into the sky? What structures might I infiltrate with a tiny vine and begin to squeeze and crush? And now, oh, what fruit might I bear? So, 40 years must look like strength, unchanging, majesty, legacy and growth, memories, power, endurance and blessing, meaning and humility, beauty and awe and wonder, fun and ease, gentleness, health, weariness and thankfulness, 40 years must look like light living in my body and brown spots on my skin, tastes of mystical union, scars, lines, curves, 
glory, growth, and beauty, an indelible core that cannot be broken. What fruit might I bear with 40 years of these in my body and more years to go? Thank you. Love that. Poetry does something that is magical, I think, giving us words um, that connect with our heart. And so I just thank you, Claire, uh, just all that a body holds. Um, the last thing I want to touch on for embodied faith is it's sacrificial. And it's a returning to the table who God has called us to be. It is through these worn hands that people are touched. It is by these aching feet that we approach those that are hurt, lost, or in pain. And it is with these tired bodies that children are raised and let go. It's with these lungs that we breathe in the gift of life. And it is through these arms that people are held, comforted, and loved. And it is through our eyes that we see beauty, others, Christ, and everything. What a wonder. In the past month, I have buried one of my closest friends and held my oldest daughter tight to my chest and then said goodbye to her as she began her new life in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched my friend Amanda's body die, and I saw her embodiment of faith deepen and root down in the process of her last holy work here. I know our bodies are also broken, and many of us carry pain, trauma, and loss in our bones. But we also carry life, and something more than what is seen, more than what is felt. It is both and. And as I said goodbye to my daughter Amelia, this was like three days ago, <laughs> I was reminded of something shared in an, early, in an earlier session that was for parents, and um, they said, they are learning that love and care can stretch far and wide. They are learning that they exist, even when you can't see them, and that you can hold them in your mind and heart, and they can do the same. They are learning that they carry all of the love and knowledge and resourcefulness of home in their own legs, that they can stand on their own feet and feel the sturdiness of them. And they are learning that home is woven through every cell of their bodies. I am learning how to hold so much loss and sorrow in this body. And I'm learning how to give my body the rest and comfort it needs. And I'm relying on other bodies and our connectedness to remind me of what is true and that I am seen and held and loved. We need the church, each other, to live out this embodied faith. Our bodies are all we truly possess and we are invited to give them over to the one who loves us, who holds us, that they may be a living expression of all the beauty, compassion, 
healing and home that is Christ to us and to all bodies. Paul invites the church and us into an embodied faith, connected, sacramental, incarnational, new. What will you do with your handcrafted, divine, beautiful body? Who is God calling you to be in your beautiful body? The invitation is simply this, to offer the whole of yourself to love. I'd like us to just take one more minute to be in these bodies, to offer ourselves to love. Maybe you wanna sit open-handed, maybe you wanna have your hand on your heart, to feel that heart beating, but we're just gonna take a minute and please ask the Holy Spirit to help move you towards a more embodied faith. May we in this community support each other body to body, heart to heart, to courageously return to an embodied faith and offer one another love and light as we live this out to the glory of God. Amen. Why do we stand? Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Claire. Love that. John says that Christ, who created all things, became one of us, that they touched him, that they, they heard him speak, that they walked roads with him. Christ entered into the human embodied experience. It's not an idea. It's not a doctrine. It's not an academic exercise. It is an embodied experience. That is our faith. Christ into the human experience and the Spirit of God now, today, right this second within us, in our bodies, that we would be the body of Christ in the world. So when we extend the peace, that is one of the most tangible expressions of embodiment. We're, we look someone in the eye, we, we touch, we make contact, with another body within the body. And we say, peace be with you. That is the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples when they were afraid, when they were alone, when they were disconnected. He said, peace be with you. And that's what we do at the peace. Hopefully that's what we do all throughout our week. So we remind each other that we're connected, that we're embodied, that we're infused with the Holy Spirit of God, right? So feel the deep love that Christ has for you. Body, 
mind, spirit.